Welcome to the Susquehanna Valley Church Podcast. We're here to help you think about stuff you need to think about and talk about stuff you got to talk about. My name is Matt Saxinger, and I'm a senior pastor here. And with me, I've got... Connor Mays, Student Ministry Director. Yeah, Connor, great to have you uh, with us. Um, Hey, so we're doing this series uh, as a sermon series on forgiveness. And obviously, like whenever you you kind of touch that category, it brings up a lot of junk. A lot of stuff that we just got good at living um, away from, mm-hmm. you know, just putting it in a closet and not looking at it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's it's a it's a nerve that when we actually talk about forgiveness, we um, it brings up old memories, it brings up hurts, past hurts, current hurts, and um, it's very easy to just like you said, put it in the closet and just kind of forget about it. And hopefully, um, it kind of deals with itself. Is usually what the term yeah. I hear. Yeah, it deals with itself, or I just get so much distance between that and myself that it's just not there. Mm-hmm. Um, but what is fascinating is, is you and I were talking, you preached two weeks ago and just did an awesome job with that. Um, but afterwards, you had a bunch of comments, kind of similar category, and was like, wow, we need to do a podcast on that. So why don't you tell us what, what what's that category? Yeah, so um, we talked about... Um, the story that Jesus tells of the the king forgiving the servant of the 10,000 talents and that servant uh, disregarding the grace that he was shown by the king and um, taking his revenge out on another servant that owed him money. And so we talked about this idea of like grudges and and revenge and and letting go and how it kind of hurts when we um, let go or forgive somebody who has hurt us. But after the sermon, I had people, um, family members, friends, and stuff like that, just being like, you know, I really don't struggle with hurting other or, or like um, holding on to grudges from other people, but I I struggle with forgiving myself. And that, I, I, you know, I think all of us can relate at some point that we, where we've done something and whether we've been forgiven or let go of something – there's this guilt or something that we hang on to, um, and it's so hard for us to to forgive ourselves. So that's kind of what we're going to talk about in this podcast: is how how do we comprehend forgiving ourselves? Yeah, and oftentimes these are kind of like the things that they're like the oops moments for mm, us. Yep. You know, or or when the anger gets the best of us, and, and we're not really thinking clearly. You know, we hurt someone, we miss an opportunity, we said something we shouldn't have said, where we said it, and and they're, they're kind of the oops moments, and they kind of hang with us. And um, we tend to just you know, get real embarrassed. We It's almost – it's funny. Like if if I remember something that I regret doing and I really haven't forgiven myself of, when I remember it, it's like if I feel the same emotional feeling. I feel like kind of like the chills or the discomfort. I, I, I Like I feel it fresh. Is that for you too? Yeah, I get the – the sick to my stomach. Yeah. Um, and this is a like flight or fight response. I want to run like from any situation. Um, so like if anybody, uh, you know, brings up the, the topic or, uh, almost reenacts the situation, whether it's like when I was little and I got yelled at for like knocking down the glass of milk and now, how could you do that? I'm sorry. It was, it it was gross. It It, was my milk. I know it was, but you kind of deserved it. But now I, now I have to forgive myself for that. Um, but it, it just like if my mom was yelling at me for knocking down that glass of milk or your glass of milk, um, 
now it's like if somebody yells at me now, those feelings kind of come back. And, and, and in counseling, um, I've learned that we kind of resolve back to our six-year-old self in mm. those moments. And we get, like you said, those feelings, those fears, and we act kind of like a six-year-old in that moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think one of the things that's really tough is, is it's especially hard to forgive yourself if somebody else who's involved in that scenario hasn't forgiven you. Mm-hmm. So you, you kind of like, you feel like, well, they didn't let you free of this, so you can't let yourself free of this. And so this is just like this big kind of sticky mess that hangs with us. Yeah. It's almost like we don't have, how do you have permission to forgive yourself if somebody hasn't, or even if somebody has, like there's this reoccurring memory that, that has come back. And so Matt, how do we, how do we tackle this issue? What does it look like? Yeah. So I, I think there's three questions that, that I want us to look at um, today. And it, it's, uh, I think, they'll, I think they'll frame it and I think they'll help us understand what it, what, what's going on to make sense of it, to, to help kind of categorize what we're dealing with and maybe put it into a different category and have a different experience. So three questions, you know, and just, just simply, I'll, I'll list them out here. Um, how well do you want to live? How well do you want to live? Um, who's the real master? And what's the real story? How well do you want to live? Who's the real master? And what's the real story? Okay. Um, and, and I think self-forgiveness is a big part of the, the, those questions. Um, I was reading some of Warren Wearsby, and, and so he talks about from all his years, just decades of pastoral ministry to thousands and thousands of people, and he says the most miserable people are those who haven't forgiven. The most miserable people, the ones who just, when he met them, they had the baggage, they had the burdens, there's always something that just couldn't satisfy them. They weren't, they weren't discontent. Most miserable people were those who haven't forgiven. That, that to me is just a, a striking comment that really emphasizes how important this issue is. Yeah, I think when it's funny, the image I got that when you were just sharing that was somebody who might have a um, a dire disease, let's just say like cancer, and they are trying to treat like a, a, a bruise on their arm. Like they're trying to treat something with these other areas saying, oh, I'm, I'm dealing with this issue, but really they're not ta- tackling that cancer. Not dealing with a root cause or treating the symptoms. The root cause. But yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a lot of the root cause of the, the miserableness, mm-hmm. misery that we live with. So, so uh, first question is that how well do you want to live? How, how well do you want to live? And um, if this brings misery, if, if this idea is this burden and this baggage on you, like, do you? Do you want to live without it? Do you want to live with it, right? Yeah, this is not – I think we live in a society – again, I kind of touched on this in the sermon that I preached where we feel that justice needs to be served. And so in our minds, it's, okay, I've done something wrong. I should be punished. Yeah, it's right? like a self-punishment. Self-punishment. Self-loathing. Um, and so the how well do you want to live, that question is important to me because – the scriptures teach this reality, and we looked at it in the sermon this past week, where Psalm 103, he separates our sins as far as the east is from the west. So when we don't forgive ourselves, it's like we're on the west and we're running all the way back to the east <laughs> yeah. to bring it back, 
And it's like, why? Yeah. Why, why do we do that? And, and uh, we'll, we'll kind of figure out some of that as we go along. But man, from a, from a theology perspective of how well do you want to live, the grace of Jesus is available to cover all your sin. Do you want to apply that to yourself? Mm. You know, I, I think of it like this. You might be really good at forgiving others, but but forgiving yourself might be tough. And, and so maybe like you had a bunch of people over to your house for dinner and you're just you're you're feeding everybody. You're you're just in the kitchen, you're cooking everybody's, you know, things that everybody likes and you're just giving out food. At some point, the cook's got to eat. At some point, you've got to sit down and say, okay, this is for me too. Like, I get to enjoy this. And to me, that's part of this, that, that I would I, – the, the cook gets to eat, that I would sit down and say, some of this grace is for me. It's mm-hmm. not just for everybody else to enjoy, but I can enjoy it, right? So the, the punishment isn't needed anymore. John eight thirty six. if the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. Don't go putting chains on. If he took them off. Yeah, the idea that actually led to um, my salvation. I just remember the story so clearly. The speaker had f- uh, these four-wall caged, kind of like you see in old-school movies or like at the zoo. Um, and he basically knocked down all the walls. And that's Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. But he got a chair and he sat there. And when we don't forgive ourselves... We're yeah. just we're just sitting in the jail cell with the walls knocked down. Yeah, and, and why? Why? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. The, so the punishment isn't needed. The payment isn't needed. He paid for it. Paid for it on the cross. So, so we don't pay for things twice. You don't go to the store and pay for something two times, and certainly not when Christ has paid for it the first time. And then the memory isn't needed. Hebrews ten seventeen it says, "Their sins and lawless acts I remember no more." So, so what business do we have kind of dredging up things we don't—I mean, God doesn't even choose to remember anymore. It, Paul, so Paul Tripp talks about this, and I, I know you like this quote a lot, mm-hmm. so I want to get your thoughts on it. Um, but he calls this sort of thinking, this remembering, this old stuff that's kind of harmful and toxic, toxic he calls it fruitless, fruitless remembering, right? So fruitless remembering, what, what in the world does that mean? So— it- it, it, it's exactly what it's saying, fruitless. So there is nothing good that comes about it. Good things grow. Good things produce things, good things. And God has called us to uh, produce fruit in this world, whether that's uh, joy, peace, kindness, uh, self, uh, you know, righteousness, all those beautiful uh, fruits of the Spirit. But when, when we hang on to things and we don't forgive ourselves— the the water is cut off, if you will. the The soil is not being uh, enriched. It's um, we're not growing. It, yeah. It's it's killing us. In fact, it's it's there's no like standing still. Like yeah. the classic saying, you're not you don't stay in the same place. You're either falling backwards or you're yeah. moving forwards. And lack of grace for yourself cuts off life. Mm-hmm. That's that, that's yeah. as simple as it gets. It cuts off life for yeah. you. So from a theological perspective, the punishment's done, the payment's done, the memory's gone. There's no value, none, to remembering this anymore, to reflecting on it anymore. It's none. So the second it comes into your head, just put it out. I mean, we talked about how Satan wants to to trick us in these schemes of unforgiveness. It's within us, too. 
And the question of how well do you live is, is how well do you want to live is really allowing yourself to move on. So Matt, how would you say, give me one practical tip in this area. Um, how would you, from a pastoral standpoint, share with somebody who is struggling with this idea that we don't have to pay it anymore? What is something that they can do? Um, what are things that here at the church that we do provide um, that can help out with this? Yeah, so if you're like super duper stuck on this, right, and it's one issue that keeps coming back again and again, you can't move past. Um, so the first the first thing I tell people is, is treat it like you got somebody living in your house that doesn't belong there. Kick them out. <laughs> Any anything that reminds you of it, anything that anytime it comes up, just kick them out. You gotta you gotta be the tough guy and uh, the tough girl and just kick them out. Um, but if it's, it's not leaving and it just keeps hanging around, then then talk to somebody. Get in a community group, and and find somebody that you can just work through this with out loud. And they're gonna bring some perspective that's gonna help you out and and love you in a way that you need to be loved. So it's, we just, oftentimes we keep these things so internalized that we don't let anybody else share a perspective, which would really counter how off and skewed our perspective is. Yeah. I think being able to share out loud, I know for me personally, like this is why I go to counseling and I don't, th- and I'm not ashamed of that. And I hope you, um, whoever's listening to this, you're not ashamed of going to counseling, being a part of a community group, having somebody that you can sit down with and just air out your dirty laundry. Uh, one of my favorite pastors um, always says that if you're 99% known, you're still unknown. Mm. Um, and that 1% can be the thing that's holding you back from that freedom. Sure. Love love it. Good stuff. So how well do you want to live? you got to answer that for yourself. I hope you want to live without a bunch of extra uh, baggage and burdens in your life. Second second one is, is who who's the master? Who's the real master? Who, like, so just stop for a second, second and, and think, who's the most important person for you to please, and how do you please them? Who's the most important? Like, when you think about when you, whether you do good or bad in life, like, who's the one you care the most as far as, you know, what, what they think there? Um, and, and what I want you to know is if you are the most important person for you to please, forgiving yourself is going to be really, really hard. Because you're living up to your own standards and your own expectations in a way that's probably unrealistic. And so, so let me just bring some perspective on this. I love Tim Keller and his thoughts um, on self-forgiveness. And he says, when people say, I know God forgives me, but I can't forgive myself. They mean that they have failed an idol whose approval is more important than God's. Let me read that again. I know God forgives me, but I can't forgive myself. What they really mean is that they failed an idol whose approval is more important than God's. There's somebody else out there that their opinion is more important than God's opinion on this matter. That's big. That's a punch in the gut right there. Whose opinion is more important? Is your opinion more important about what happened or is God's opinion more important? Which one's the bigger deal there? Uh, Steve Brown says this, if if God is the creator of everything and all things and can forgive you for your sins, why do you think you're more important than him? It it puts it in perspective how easily we can be tricked into making me the master as opposed to saying, no, God's opinion of me is more important than my opinion of myself, and I may need to adjust my opinion of myself to match his opinion of me. Yeah, because uh, we don't make good gods. Hmm. 
And if we had it our way, we would see justice in our way. Um, and that is, um, at the end of the day, that's the root of that is pride. And I think sometimes uh, we we don't forgive ourselves because of pride. We want to hang on to it. We want to show that we um, are showing basically what we talked about earlier was that justice to ourself, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, and pride is, is a scary, scary place. I think you have a, a, a good story to tell on pride. Me? Yeah. You, <laughs> something about softball or something. Like yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, softball, th- this, I, I played softball for a, a church softball team going back a long time. Classic. And, uh, yeah, yeah, we were, uh, we were awesome. And by awesome, I mean, we were really good at being bad. <laughs> and, uh, we had, uh, one guy in particular who, um, he, uh, he, every time he went up to bat, if he didn't hit like an incredible hit, if he didn't hit a double or a triple or home run, um, he'd come back to the, the, the bench just so incredibly upset at himself like he just like oh i'm so stupid i can't believe i did this i can't be-. and it would be this like every every about would be followed by this like one minute rant of kicking helmets of like throwing the the bat of you know like angry at everybody else because he was angry at himself and i'm looking at it like what's the big deal this is this is church softball man <laughs> this is not this is we're, we're not playing for the major leagues here well Here's here's what's kind of going on here. Like he he in in a kind of lighter way, he wouldn't forgive himself. Like he had these expectations of how great he was supposed to be, and because he didn't live up to his own expectations of what was going to happen with his at bat, what was going to happen with him in the field, because he didn't meet those standards, he couldn't forgive himself. He he was so disappointed in himself because he thought that he was just incredibly good at it that whenever he failed, he couldn't come to terms with it. And so pride lies behind a lot of this sort of, uh, this lack of self-forgiveness because we're expecting ourselves to be flawless. We're expecting ourselves to get relationships right. We're expecting ourselves to, to not mess up or not miss opportunities. And when we do on the flip side, we either, we either deal with the fact that we're not as good as we thought, or we get angry at ourselves and punish ourselves because we still think we are. Yeah, I think I see this so much. Like it's almost scary how much I've seen this in ministry. I know you have, Matt. Um, with working with teenagers and even adults, um, the, that the kicking themselves for not being perfect in this level that we've taught ourselves that we have to um, be the best at work. We yeah. have to. We're the master. We got to be the best. We got to be the yeah. best at work, right? Master, I am in control of my own destiny. Things yeah. like that. That language. We have to be the best husband, be the best wife, be the best, you know, family member. Whatever hobby or sports you're into or craft you're into, you got to be the best in that. And there's no, um, like. Uh, flow or, or drop of any of those uh, areas in our lives, or at least we cannot, or we see ourselves as failures. How many times I hear my, my, my kids say, I'm just terrible. I am the worst. Like this negative language where I'm like, you know that there's grace, right? Like, I just want to like shake their face. We always want to see ourselves as the end result of what we want. Yeah. Like I'm the great softball player. I'm the great father. I'm the great spouse. I'm, I'm the great employee. I'm the great artist that we don't 
we don't really understand that we're all in this kind of process of growing and developing and you, you look at a little baby that's learning how to walk and it's, <laughs> it's, it's like, yeah, it's just part of the process of going. Why aren't life. you sprinting yeah. yet? Yeah. But when we're the master, we really punish ourselves because we don't like, we, we don't have a lot of grace for ourselves when we're in charge. And I, I so my first roommate uh, or my first, uh, my first landlord experience was not good. Like my mm. landlord was just, um, he was unfair. He was rude. He was kind of invasive. He <laughs> just, just a bad setting. When I moved out, when Corinne and I moved to a different place, like I didn't invite him to be the landlord of a future property. <laughs> I wasn't like, Hey, I bought this house and, you know, Hey man, uh, old landlord, why don't you come along and you can tell me what to do here? <laughs> Because he was a bad landlord. Mm-hmm. Look, we make bad landlords for our life. Yeah. And when we're when we're the master and it's up to us, we'll punish ourselves pretty pretty badly. Um, on the other hand, Romans eight one says there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Not even self condemnation. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So who do you want to live under? Mm -hmm. A landlord like myself in my own life that's prone to condemn myself every time I mess up or a loving Savior who says there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus? Yeah, I think um, for a practical side of those things, I think we need to just – we need to know Scripture. We need to know God's Word. What does God actually say about this? Um, I hear so many times people sharing these – Verses that are actually not verses in the Bible, um, like God doesn't give you more that you can handle, kind of kind yeah, of verses. Yeah, that's not true. That's, that's not true that's at all. The exact opposite of a verse. <laughs> the, like we need God, and so um, I, I, my encouragement for you is read these scriptures, read um, that passage in Romans, read John three, for God so loved the world, and then John three seventeen, for God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world. Yeah. Like find out the truth about Jesus and what he actually thinks about you because that's the true you. Well, and and that's, that's our next question. What's the real story Mm. is the real story that Matt made it throughout life without really messing anything up. And he was pretty awesome. Is that, is that the, no, no, not at all. Is is it that Matt played church softball and and never hit a little dribbler down to third base and (laughs) every time just smoked a double into, to left field. No, that, that's not, that's not the story. Um, It's not look at what I can do and how good I am. See, forgiving ourselves is accepting the reality of how precisely thoroughly and effectively God has forgiven me. He's, precisely, thoroughly, and effectively forgiven me. Psalm 51, you were talking about reading scripture. This, this one, to me, is, is important. Cleanse me, cleanse me with hyssop, and I'll be clean. So that's, that's going back to the sacrificial aspect of how they would apply uh, the blood on the altar and, and how they would find cleansing. It says, cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you've crushed rejoice. So there's this idea of knowing what cleanses us and what doesn't cleanse us. The story that we tell, if it's a story of our own kind of grace and our our, our own perfection and and our own ability to meet our expectations, that's not going to cleanse us. Just doing it better the next time is not going to cleanse us. What we find in 1 John 1, 9 is that, that God is willing to forgive us and cleanse us. And I'm not going to make myself any cleaner. 
It's about his cleansing. So here's the thing. Like, I, uh, you ever hear of Banksy? Do you ever hear the artist Banksy? I've never heard of Banksy. I'm a Banksy fan. So Banksy um, will just go around and he'll create incredible uh, paintings, artwork, um, not on canvases, but just like on the crummy wall of an old dilapidating building. Okay. And so it's like, like just like some rundown part of town and there's graffiti on the wall and Banksy will come in and just using that broken down crumbling wall as the canvas mm -hmm. paint the most incredible incredible images and just you know I, I can think of one where there's like this broken down bicycle laying on the side of the road and and banksy paints this little girl playing with a broken part of the the bicycle behind it with the, the, the tire as a hula hoop and i mean it's just incredible incredible artwork um but but a lot of what makes it so amazing is he's using what's there as the canvas to display the beauty of the art. Look, this, this is the story. This is the real story of the scriptures. The real story of the scriptures is not how beautiful you can make yourself out to be. It's what God can do with the existing canvas. How beautiful he can paint his grace on the story that is your life. That God comes along and he takes all your mess and on top of it, he paints this incredible image of what he's able to do this isn't being obsessed with our own mistakes. It's about just being enamored with his ability and what he can do. Amen to that. So with wrapping up, uh, we're glad that you guys tuned in. Um, here's some just some thoughts, uh, some practical things like we kind of stuff that we mentioned before. Get with some people. Find find some trusted people. Find new friends. Um, you know, if you're a member here at Susquehanna Valley, join a community group that we're all about community and eating food, especially eating food together. That's like one of the biggest things. But food it, is good. Food is good. Um, and then and reading scripture together and talking and praying with one another. Um, there's something therapeutic. There's something beautiful in God's design for that. Yeah, well, they kind of begin to sound like the cliche answers. Like we, we, those are our answers for yeah. a lot of things because they work. Yeah. <laughs> like if the medicine's working, we're not going to prescribe something different when that's effective and you're just simply not taking it. So it's not working. And I think Matt and I can both say this where we're like, yeah, we're good. Like we don't need community groups right now. Or like there's a point in our lives where it's like, I don't need uh, like, uh, man, I got this thing. I got that thing. And it's just so tough. Um, and, and I've even been a part of a community group for almost two years now. And even on when Tuesday hits, that's when we meet. And I'm like, do I want to go? And every single time I'm not, I'm, I'm like filled. I am filled and I'm able to get stuff off my chest and even uh, watching the people in my community groups to get stuff off their chest. And so uh, join community, biblical, biblically sound um, community. The other thing is, um, we want to invite you and give you permission to lament. We've talked about lamenting before. Um, and we, we actually just heard an amazing sermon at this conference about lamenting. And so we hope that you are able to, um, just able to cry out. Maybe this is something that you need to work through that you are having a hard time forgiving yourself to maybe there's some raw emotions that again, like we talked about at the beginning, touch some nerves, man, we give you permission to just 
just cry, just just weep, just uh, cry out to God and ask Him questions. Um, and then the last thing is this: uh, go to God's Word. Go to God's Word. Memorize a scripture or continuously read about God's mercy um, and His His uh, provision. Because I know that sometimes the enemy likes to distort what we think about what God is. And so we end up not forgiving ourselves. And so let's continuously remind us who God is in our lives and his mercy. Yeah. Um, so, so at the end of the day, stuff to think about, stuff to talk about, you know, uh, how well, how well do you want to live? How well do you want to live? Um, who's the real master? And what's the real story? Is this, is your story, is your, if you want to live well and God's your master, then your story isn't, I can't believe I messed up. The real story is, I messed up, but I can't believe what God did with it. So let's live that way. Let's live free. Um, and let's see what God can do when we're willing to, to let God reign in an area where we, we tend to hold back. There's really no reason to, to do anything else. Yeah. Uh, so we love you guys. Thanks for, for tuning in again. And, uh, man, talk about it, think about it, and check us out next time. <laughs>